Hey, everybody. Chelsea, great job. Where'd you go? Where'd she go? Chelsea, great job. Parents of Chelsea, great job. I have kids, too. So uh, I'm Alice Shirey, and um, I'm the closer, actually, for this. Thank you. Thank you for laughing at that. We're in the final, you guys are in the final two weeks of this series called Foundations, um, where you guys have been the foundational parts. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Foundational parts of the Christian faith. I heard last week was pretty rich with uh, mention of colonoscopies, poopy pants, etc. Um, just quick overview, you, you spent four weeks learning about the Bible. I know Ed was here a couple weeks, Ed Baker, talking about kind of the ins and outs of the Bible, and then Kurt for two weeks talking about how to engage the Bible, how to read it, how to study it, how to embody it, how to let it form and transform not just your minds, but your hearts and your lives and your souls. And then Kevin, whom Kurt called Nick a couple times, uh, was here talking about the church, um, which I listened to um, his teachings. They were just so, so great. Um, church, both both you know, global and local, this called out group of humans banded together around the person of Jesus Christ and, and Jesus' life, his teachings, his death, his uh, resurrection, his life now. And Kevin gave this beautiful talk last week about how the church is actually unified even when it doesn't seem like it is. That was so encouraging to me. And as I was thinking about, you know, uh, what is the purpose of God's church? What is the purpose of the church? It's, it's to be the body. Kevin referred to this biblical imagery last week. Um, it's to be the hands and the feet and the heart, um, the voice of Jesus in this world that we live in. And God accomplishes this work through the Holy Spirit empowering broken, flawed, sinful people like you and like me. And I just think that's crazy. I just really think if I were God, I would have come up with a different way because humans just don't have a great track record, right, at doing things very well. And it also seems highly inefficient to me that God would use us. But apparently God's not interested in efficiency. Apparently God is interested in us. And what I want to talk about a little bit tonight, I'm going to be a little bit all over the place, but basically this is my focus. God uses what we call spiritual gifts to kind of accomplish his work in the church. Um, I'm going to just look at a couple verses in the New Testament, but the first one I want to look at is in 1 Corinthians 12, um, verse 7. So 1 Corinthians, is, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's Acts, there's the book of Romans, and then you get to First and Second Corinthians. Um, and this is also going to be on the screen because I begged Carter and Sarah to let me put a couple verses on the screen. Um, so in 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth about spiritual gifts, this idea of spiritual gifts. And he, he, he says this one sentence that I just want to unpack briefly. He says this, now to each one, he's talking about each, each Christ follower in the church, 
The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit. Now, the manifestation of the Spirit means the evidence of his presence or the demonstration of the Spirit's power. So to each Christ follower, Paul is saying, some kind of demonstration of the Spirit's power is given. And so, you know, basically what Paul is referring to is this idea that when when you and I become Christ followers, somehow the Holy Spirit of God decides to work his way through us into the world for the for the good of the church and the good of the world. And when we use our spiritual gift, the Spirit of God is literally present doing his work through us. And part of the work that God is doing through us as we use our spiritual gifts is to actually build the body of Christ up and to help the body of Christ, the church, do its work in the world. So in another um, letter, so much of the New Testament is these letters. In Ephesians, which after you do First and Second Corinthians, you get to Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Ephesians chapter 4, again, Paul's writing to the church, this time the church at Ephesus, and he's talking again about this body of Christ that is in the world to do the work of God. And Paul writes in Ephesians 4.16, He says, from him, meaning from Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. And then this is the key part, as each part does its work. So God wants his body, the church, to be strong in the world to reach the lost and the lonely and the voiceless and the neglected and the hungry with the transforming message of the grace of the gospel. And the body, both the church universal and the church local, needs each one of us, every single one of us who follows Jesus, to do the work that we've been given by God to do in order for the body to be strong. So I want to move a little bit away from the macro picture of this for just a minute and bring it right down to where we are, right down to where you guys are. But I want to do that by way of a little bit of a story about myself. And some of you may have heard this, but I'm throwing it in um, because I'm throwing it in because that's what I get to do. So I have, um, I have what's called the spiritual gift of teaching or preaching. And I've been privileged to be able to use this gift in my local body, which is Orchard Hill Church. Um, but I want you to know, because you know we don't always know everybody's backstory. I want you to know that when I was your age, when I was in college, I could never, ever have stood up and done what Chelsea just did. Not in my wildest dreams. I had no idea when I was your age that I could even speak in public without pooping my pants, Carter. <laughs> so when I, was, when I was in my teens or my 20s or even my early 30s, I had no conceivable plan that I would be teaching in the church. Like, like if you can have a less than zero idea, that's what I had. 
And before discovering my, my teaching gift, which happened when I was about 35, the only time I ever remember speaking in public was a high school speech class in which I giggled my way through an, an entire how-to speech on backgammon, which is, which is and was a complete joke because I suck at backgammon. And I, my immediate first mistake was trying to draw the backgammon board up on the chalkboard, and I just completely, I, I, I totally flubbed it. So that's my backstory on my spiritual gift of teaching. So, so about 21 years ago, I ran for the school board in Waterloo. And at a community forum there, I found myself having to speak about public school issues and express my opinions. And uh, I don't know how I survived doing that. There was a severe amount of sweat going on. But anyway, lo and behold, I found after this forum that people were responding to the words I had spoken in a really weird way. And of course, none of them voted for me because I lost the dang race. But but I was starting to see something happening in me when I spoke, and happening mostly in other people. Not, not everybody, but enough for me to take notice. And I started to wonder to myself, what is this new thing that is manifesting itself in and through me? And it was, it was about this same time that I started to pray that God would show me how he wanted to use me within his body, the local church, which, again, happened to be Orchard Hill Church at this point in our lives. We were relatively new to Orchard. We were just beginning to understand what uh, a gift-based church is. That's the kind of church that Orchard Hill is. And so just an Alice Shirey definition, a gifts-based church is a church where people actually serve in the areas in which the church believes God has gifted them. This is, in, this is the, the alternative is um, just plugging random people in wherever you think there's a need. This would be called the any warm body will do kind of church. Um, and so with this new potential clue about maybe what God might want to do in me, I decided to do two things. First, I decided to pray a really dangerous prayer, which is God... How might you use this new thing I'm noticing about myself in your church? Is there a place for me here? And uh, the second thing I did was I decided to, to try using it at church. I mean, I tried it at the school board forum. I lost, but people listened to me. So I thought, well, let me, let me try to teach a three-week adult Sunday school class. And the weird thing is, people responded again. And uh, if you've ever talked to Dave Bartlett about spiritual gifts, this idea of God empowering people um, for the good of the body, he will tell you that you start to think somebody might have a spiritual gift when the fruit that you're seeing from what they're doing uh, far outweighs their natural ability. And, and that's what was kind of happening, as if God was somehow using the words I shared about God's scriptures to touch other people's lives. So then I taught again, you know, thinking, is this a fluke, or did I just have too much coffee, or like, are, what's going on here? And eventually, um, what solidified this discovery process for me was that some members of our small group at Orchard, uh, in fact, 
Kurt and Carla, who are sitting right over there, being my friendships, um, had the cur had, well, had my friendships. They had the courage and the wisdom to to start to name what they were seeing in me as a spiritual gift. Um, and they challenged me to find ways to use that gift and to encourage and, uh, and teach and share God's heart with others. And I kind of remember, Kurt, you might not remember this, I remember arguing with them about this. Because in my mind, teaching, like, or really any kind of spiritual gift in the church was not something I pictured as part of my life. I mean, this is something like, this is... Don't try this unless you're a paid professional. I mean, right? It's like those car commercials. Uh, but my, but Kurt, I remember Kurt who was saying, uh, you know, Alice, it's actually really, um, it's actually really kind of a uh, disobedience to God if you don't use the gift that He's given you. He said it way nicer than that. Like once you recognize your gift, you need to use it. And so, you know, one more letter um, in the New Testament, First Peter, which is now all the way at the back. Good luck finding it. Um, I can never find it. Somewhere back there by Hebrews, kind of mixed in with James. Um, but First Peter four, um, the Apostle Peter. Uh, is writing to Christians about all different kinds of ways that they need to live for God in this world. And he says in 1 Peter 4, verse 10, he says this, each of you, again, he's talking to fo any followers of Jesus, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. And so now I was thinking of this less as this is something paid professionals do and, and more as something as this is something God is calling me to do and, and, and anybody to do if they figure out what their gift is to serve the church. And so I walked into Dave Bartlett's office. He happened to be the senior leader at Orchard at that time. And I, I said to him, I think I might have the spiritual gift of teaching and here's what I want to know. I want to know, is it safe for me here to practice this gift? Because I'm a woman. <laughs> as, if he did, as if he was like, what? <laughs> you are? <laughs> but I asked him that question that way. Because, see, I had gone to seminary, and my husband had gone to seminary. And I knew that this is a controversial idea and that there's a lot of anger sometimes around this topic, hatred even. And that this is a topic, whether or not women are allowed to use certain gifts in the church that splits churches, that splits families, that splits college ministries right in two. And I knew that this was dangerous. But Orchard Hill believes that the bulk of the evidence in Scripture teaches that spiritual gifts are given to human beings regardless of gender. And that any of the Apostle Paul's statements that seem to be against women leading or teaching were written to very specific churches about very specific issues in the Middle East in the first century. And, that, and, and what Orchard Hill believes is that we should model ourselves, the church today, after what women were actually doing in the earliest church. 
And what women were actually doing was leading house churches and teaching and prophesying and praying and being apostles and deacons and leaders. And Paul was praising women for doing these things, which is another clue, that's right, which is another clue to us that either Paul was schizophrenic, or that, or, which he wasn't, or that his inhibitory writing about women must have been very specific to something going on in those particular churches. And so Dave said, well, I don't know if it's safe here or not, but do you want to find out? And I was like, game on. I, I wasn't game on. I was terrified, okay? But I kind of said game on, right? So I started to teach up front from the Bible at a church on a Sunday, and I felt like I had landed in my skin for the first time in my life. And that was 20 years ago. And um, have I, did I say I'm Alice Shirey? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> my name is Alice Shirey. And... Honestly, this has been one of the most ridiculous and fulfilling rides of my life. And I believe, I, I want to say this to you guys at the stage you guys are in, I believe learning about yourself, learning how God has created you and designed you and made you unique and given you passions and loves and weird gifts that you've never thought about before and how um, he's used your life experiences to shape and mold you and then asking God, how can you use the gifts you have given me in the church? I believe that is one of the most profoundly loving and giving and exciting things you can do as a follower of Jesus. To use what God does in you to build up the church so the church can be strong in the world to reach this broken, lost, confused, messed up world with the gospel. So what might that look like in the stage of life and discovery that you guys are in? How might you start to discover the part that God is asking you to play in this grand scheme of his? So um, first caveat is this. I mean, I wasn't I was 35 when I got this figured out, and I still don't have it all figured out, but if you were here when Kurt taught about learning to read the Bible, I mean, it just takes time. And remember, God does not care about the American timetable that says, like, you go to high school, then you go to college, then you pick your major, then you have it figured out, then you graduate, and then your life is on, like, the perfect trajectory to perfect town. God doesn't care about that. So give yourself time and permission to figure this stuff out and give God all the time God needs. But know this, you are here on this earth for a purpose. Every single one of you. And nothing about your life is accidental or, or you know, a whoopsie-daisies by God. Nothing you have gone through or will go through is a waste. No amount of, I went here, but that didn't work out, so I came here, and I was this major, and now I'm this major, and I can't figure out. None of that is a waste. Okay? And then just remember this, back to this 1 Corinthians 12 slide. Everyone is given a gift. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Everyone has a gift, 
a spiritual gift, a gift that means the Spirit of God wants to inhabit you and then move out of you into the world for the good of the church and the world around it. So, so how do we figure this out, what our spiritual gifts are? Now, I could come here and point you to online surveys because there's a million of them, but that's not why Carter or the team asked me to be here. So um, what I just want to do is share some thoughts, just thoughts of mine that I've learned through the years about, well, what I wish somebody would have said to me X amount of years ago. First, first thing, your life was meant to be spent. Your life was meant to be spent. You were created to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Your deepest joy is going to be found when you give yourself to a cause greater than your own safety and your own comfort and your own popularity and your own ego. That's just truth. Second, God wants to manifest himself through you for the good of others. God is always up to something good in your life. Even when you cannot see him, he's working, right? We're going to sing it. Are we singing it? We're not singing it. We're not singing it, but you know the song. <laughs> so third point, this is so huge, okay? When I was in college, we had typewriters, friends. I used whiteout to write papers, okay? I called my boyfriend, now my husband, after 9 p.m. when the rates were down on a dial-up phone. Now, here's my point. Be awake and aware and watchful. What did I write? Wake up, people! <laughs> Come on! Especially at this formative stage of your life. Stop zoning out all the time. Stop numbing out. Stop closing yourself off. Stop spending your entire day looking at a screen. Engage the world. It's gorgeous out there. Open your eyes. Don't run yourself so ragged you're always exhausted, okay? Pay attention to what's taking up your time and cut out a huge chunk of the crap. Period. End of, end of point. Next point. Seriously, because you're never going to discover who God made you to be by looking at your phone all the time. That's right. I like the left side right here. Next, be curious and open and gentle about yourself and about other people, and about the world, and about God. Listen to your life. Stop judging yourself all the dang time. Become your own science project. Who am I? Or maybe sociology, not science project. <laughs> Sociological study. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Who am I? What do I love? What breaks my heart? What takes my breath away? What moves me to tears? What makes me come alive? What bores me? How does God seem to use me? What can I try? What kinds of things do I love? Okay, try some stuff, friends. 17th point, listen to your friends. Listen to your friends, the well-meaning ones. Not the ones who put you down, the well-meaning ones. They often can see what God is doing in you better than you can. Listen to God's voice. There is no shortcut for this. Zero shortcut. You've got to create space, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual space for God. He's not hiding from you, but he also is very polite, and he doesn't intrude where he is not wanted. So give God some space. And I know, because I used to be a college student, yeah, I know you're busy, but I have a secret for you. you're going to get more busy. So start making space now. And then the last of my little bullet points before I close up is um, discover your gifts through service, both inside and outside the church and Christian community. Run for school board and fail. Try things and give yourself permission to fall and to fail. You know? And then, and then as you go, start to pray the dangerous prayer. God, show me what gifts you've given me, and then, God, could you show me how to use them in your body, your church? This is the treasure hunt of a lifetime, friends. Now, I want to close, because I'm trying to look at this clock. Uh, I want to come back to this idea that nothing is wasted, okay? This is really important that you hear this. Chuck and I, my husband of almost 34 years, That's right. That can preach. (laughs) Right there. We moved back to the Cedar Valley, where we were both born and raised, from Los Angeles, um, in about 1992. This is about eight years before I figured out my spiritual gift. We washed up on the shores of our hometown, married with two kids, two seminary degrees, zero jobs, and me barely able to get out of bed due to an out-of-the-blue postpartum depression that absolutely crushed our world. What was God doing? Because we had given him everything, my husband and me. We had given up lucrative job possibilities to go to seminary. We were sold out for Jesus. How did our lives fall apart so badly? We got here. My husband took a crap job to keep us afloat. And as God and I dug myself out of the pit of despair, I started to learn that I might have a spiritual gift that I didn't even believe at that time I could use in the church. Now, this does not sound like a great story unfolding, does it? My story isn't like, wow, she did all the right things. She got the right education, then she did all the godly things, she took the right spiritual gifts inventory, and then she strategically placed herself in just the right situation, and then God used her. None of that is what happened. None. Not one of those things. 
So how did I discover my spiritual gift? Through wounds. Through my wounds. Deep wounds I did not want to receive. The prophet Isaiah says about the crucified Jesus, it is by his wounds that we are healed. See, and Jesus somehow mysteriously, somehow through his wounds, we get healed. And very often, I would say, if not most often, it is through our wounds that God uses us to heal others. So pay attention to your wounds. How else did I learn to take my place in the local church? (laughs) Through failures. Trying things that were just wrong for me and watching them sift through my hands like dust. I have a master's degree in counseling. And I suck at counseling. (laughs) Through accepting my weirdness. I am a women. I'm a wi- I'm a woman. <laughs> I'm a woman. <laughs> Which you know is not in and of itself inherently weird, but I was taught as a young Christian in my college ministry that women cannot teach or lead, and that year, yet there I was, both a teacher and a leader. And I was thinking to myself, what the what, God? And I read this the other day. I thought you would be encouraged by it. Nadia Bowles-Weber said, The fact that there is nothing about you that makes you the right person to do something is exactly what God is looking for. Boom! Sign me up! Okay, I got wounds, I got failure, I got weirdness, and the last thing that helped me discover my gifts for the church was through my weakness. I was terrified to stand up in front of people. I was an anxiety-ridden kid with all kinds of fears. And now, I was a grown woman who had gone through hell after fighting her way out of depression. No one would ever think, oh, this is a great resume for the leader of the teaching team at a thriving church like Orchard. Let's definitely hire her. But that's my story. My journey to the discovery of my spiritual gift, how God wanted to manifest himself through me for the good of the local body, for the good of the world, my journey was a hot mess filled with mistakes and pain and bad choices and sorrow and wrong turns and wounds so deep I didn't even know if I could ever recover. And now I'm here doing what I love, what God has empowered me to do in order to build up his body here on earth. And it fills my soul up to do this work. But I bring to it all my mess, and that is where the power is. The power is not in my strengths. It's in my honest sharing of my weakness. So hear me at this young, beautiful, powerful age you guys are at. Nothing in your life is ever wasted. I hope that brings you hope. And God may use an online survey or a course to help you discover your spiritual gifts. And I think that's great. But I'm telling you that most often, God's going to reveal your spiritual gifts to you through your wounds and your failures and your weirdness and your weaknesses. And I really pray that you guys have the same wild, unpredictable discovery process I had. And seeing all of your faces gives me great hope for the future of the church of Jesus Christ in this world. So now I'm going to pray. 
uh, God, you definitely could have come up with a better plan, you know. But you chose to use people. And you still choose to use people. And God, we don't get it. So I pray for each one of these people in this room, God, that you would reveal to them how you want to manifest your spirit in them and through them for the good of the body of Christ in this world so that the body can be strong and built up so that the gospel of Jesus can run wild on this earth. I pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen.